Welcome to the Sports Spectrum Podcast, where faith and sports collide. Here's your host, Jason Romano. Hello, everyone. My name is Jason Romano. Welcome to the Sports Spectrum Podcast. This is our debut episode. Man, we are so pumped. We could not be more excited. This is something that we've been thinking about, dreaming about, and praying about for a few years now. And I'm so thankful to God that he has opened this door and allowed for this podcast to become a real thing. To give you a little background on Sports Spectrum, they've been a brand for over 30 years. You may recognize their magazine, which I remember reading for the first time about a decade ago. And Sports Spectrum has always been about telling the stories of faith and sports. And that will continue to be the mission. We hope to do that through this podcast as well as our updated home on the web at SportsSpectrum.com. Just to give you a little background on myself, I have been with Sports Spectrum now since mid-February of 2017. Prior to that, I worked for almost 17 years at ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut as a producer. I've had the privilege and honor of having worked with some of the most amazing talents in the sports broadcasting business, including people like Chris Berman and Bob Lee and Trey Wingo and Mike Greenberg, Mike Golick from Mike and Mike in the Morning, Jay Harris, so many, many talented people. Uh, I was just so blessed and thankful to be a part of that. And for two years now, it's been something that I felt the calling kind of to enter the into ministry and take my talents and experiences from the past 20 years in the broadcast world and bring them into the ministry field and help share the story of Jesus with others. So in February, God opened the door and I said yes, and here we are, and I'm really excited to see what God is going to do. Okay, our guest today, Miami Marlins pitcher Adam Conley and Marlins team chaplain Chris Lane. This is a powerful episode. It's a great episode, I think, to debut Uh, this brand new Sports Spectrum podcast with you. Back on September 25th of 2016, Adam, Chris, and the entire Marlins organization was devastated by the death of their best pitcher, Jose Fernandez. Fernandez, along with two of his friends, were all killed in a boating accident in Miami Beach. The story sent shockwaves across Major League Baseball and the entire sports community. The Marlins that day were scheduled to face the Braves Sunday the 25th, of September, and that game ended up being canceled. This interview is going to take you inside the clubhouse to hear the story of how God used the worst tragedy a team could go through and used it to point people back to him, both through Conley, through Chris Lane, and others. It's finding purpose in that pain. I sat down with Adam Conley and Chris Lane recently in Orlando, uh, and I want to just preface that we were taping this interview in a hall You know, there were other people playing games. We were at a conference. Um, You might hear cornhole in the background or ping pong. They were playing games. So there is some background noise, especially early in the interview. But I think the story is powerful enough that you'll be able to ignore that and just really hear Chris and and Adam share their heart. So without further ado, our debut interview on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Here's our interview with Miami Marlins pitcher Adam Conley and team chaplain Chris Lane. I want to talk about the time and the moments after Jose's death was was announced. You find out about it and what what that was like. Let's start with you, Chris, from your perspective as a chaplain and how you saw God move in what, can, what had to be one of the more unimaginable situations you've been through in your 
20 years in baseball. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I remember that morning um, so vividly. I, I was up getting ready. My family was around the house, and we had ESPN on, on TV. Sure. And um, they came on and said, we got breaking news. And you know, as a sports fan, when they say there's breaking news, uh, it's, a, it's you only one up. of a couple of things. You yeah. Know? So you perk up, and I just, every my, my whole family was in the other room. I was getting ready, eating a little breakfast, and I said, oh, my goodness. And my wife was like, what, what? I said, Jose Fernandez died. Right. And my kids came running out, you know, because Jose, like everybody knows, man, was, was larger than life in Miami. He was... He brought people together. He was he represented the Cuban population. I mean, it was bigger was, than just being a great no, pitcher. Yeah, he, he yeah. was more. He was he was the face of the franchise. He was. I mean, you know, to personal note, whenever he pitched, my boys they wanted to go to the games. I mean, For that sure. was it, man. It was an appointment I, viewing. I mean, yeah, I mean, man, everybody wanted to be there. It was thirty. They said thirty to thirty-five percent more fans when Jose pitched, and and you know so. And, and, and so I got ready as fast as I could, got in the car. My phone was on silent. I had been getting text messages all morning. I didn't realize it. So I'm returning calls while I'm driving. And they're like, hey, we're, we're trying to get everybody down here at the stadium by 10 o'clock. And uh, so I, you know, just away. I'm driving there, and it was so surreal. Mm. You know, pulling in the stadium was like, I don't even remember how I got here. Yeah. I don't even remember driving the car. Wow. I, I just, you, you, your mind is just like, the world is going on. And and that was that was that, that morning for me up to that point. Right? Walking in and then seeing a clubhouse that's usually, you know, Sunday morning is still uh, exciting and there's guys and there's action and there's noise and there's music and there's people eating and people are coming and going. But to walk in there on that Sunday morning and it was just complete silence. You you, you can't even hear the door close. It was so everything was just wow. no noise. And these, these team was all at their locker sitting there with their, their hoodies on, sweatshirt hoodies, heads down, nobody moving, nobody saying anything. And, and I just remember that like it was walking in there and looking at that scene. Now, it's a di you're supposed to play a game against the Braves that day, am yeah. I right? One o'clock game. Yep. So, the, Adam, you're coming in as a player. You're arriving, what's the normal time to arrive on a Sunday morning, 8 a.m., 9 a.m. maybe for a 1 o'clock game? Yeah, the thing for me for that day, I mean, it's, it's perfect that you, that, uh, that you asked me because I, I'm going to kind of give my side of the story of how that morning went for me. Okay. I just happened to, on that Sunday, be starting that game. Um, right. I, was trying to, I was trying to sleep, you know, as much as I can, which is different for me because what, what I typically do on a day that I start early like that is I try and get up early. For whatever reason, I guess I'd been wrestling that night and everything, which is weird. I didn't think anything of it. I was real restless that night, couldn't sleep, was real groggy that morning, mm. um, was just still laying in bed, was rolling around, hitting snooze on the phone, over on the alarm over and over again. And I remember I woke up uh, to my wife, and she said two words. It was the first thing I remember hearing that morning. She said, Jose is dead. Mm. And I sat up, and I kind of rolled around. I sat up a little bit. I said, what are you talking about? I said, Jose who? I'm thinking, Jose who? And as soon as I'm thinking or wherever, you know, she, is when she said, she says, Jose Fernandez. Is right when I had said Jose Fernandez out loud, I said that. Right. And, um, and by the grace of God and by the spirit of God, the very first thing that I thought was, what in the world am I going to tell those guys? Wow. Um, and and I, I cannot, I cannot for a, in any way, shape, or form or for a moment take credit for that feeling because I know how selfish of a man I am and I know... Uh, my own pitfalls, but um, but it, it became clear to me pretty quickly um, 
that God had uh, ordained uh, kind of this season of life uh, within a season um, for all these men involved. And I, um, again, it was clarity from the Spirit of God that I kind of understood um, that uh, there was there was there was something going to be a lot done. There was going to be a lot said. There was going to be a lot of feelings happening and everything. So that's that's kind of how I woke up. And similar to how Chris said, I think it was the same deal. I get in my truck and I'm just racing in my mind thinking about what am I going to say? What am I going to do? What are those guys thinking right now? What am I even thinking right now? You know, at this point I hadn't cried about it yet. I didn't even know if, I mean, I can't even decide if I think it's real or not, if it's really even happened. I'm like, like uh, Lano was saying, you you drive to the park, you pull in the, you pull in your spot in the the parking lot. You're trying to walk to the, the, you know, down to the clubhouse. You're wondering what it's going to be like in there. My mind's racing like crazy. I don't even, like he's saying, I don't even remember the drive, you know, I don't even remember what light I hit or whatever. And all that, and um, and then I, I show up, you know, and it's it's this game that I was originally intended to start, right. and yet I almost right away get the news that this game has been canceled by Major League Baseball, and I'm just going, man, this is going to send shockwaves through through our clubhouse for, for for you know certainly, but but it was I could it just as the as the morning went on, it became so clear to me how big of a deal this was, and, and as you see through the funeral proceedings and all these things going on, we kind of see the implications of all those shockwaves going through Major League Baseball, and not just that, but the Cuban community and the Latino community and baseball players alike and their families and people abroad and all these things. So huge impact, uh, mind racing. I mean, I'm not even sure, I'm not even sure what I'm feeling, you know, that whole time. Um, and then basically I come into that scene that Chris described of where it's like, you don't even know what to say to your guys. You've been going to war with these guys for 10 hours a day, every day for 180 days. You know, it's the end of the season. We got two weeks left of this grind. We've been right there in it. We've had injuries, all this stuff. These are guys that you're close with and become your second family. And yet something like this happens. You walk in the room into this environment and you, you don't, you don't have a word to say you know what to do. Adam, what, what was that moment where it, and maybe it took a while, but what was that moment where it did hit you that A, he was gone, but B, and you just described it like you felt it was God-ordained, but what was that moment like when you knew, okay, there's an opportunity here in the midst of the one of the worst tragedies you could ever imagine, losing a teammate in the middle of a season at such a young age, where you could speak about your faith and you could actually be a light in what could appear to be a very dark time from the outside. Yeah, like I said, um, and and it's why I can't take credit for the way I felt, is that literally the very first thing I thought as soon as she said Jose's dead and two seconds later when I say Jose Fernandez at the same time my wife saying Jose Fernandez. Right. And the very first thing that I think is, is what in the world am I going to say to those guys? That's why I can't take credit for that because that's, you know, that's just not the way that humans, that's no. not the way a human being operates. You right. know, that's not, that's the spirit of God. That's God's will to, to sure. have a heart to act and think that way. And that's not the way that I'm, that's not the way I was born to think and act. Um, so praise God for that. And, Amen. and yeah. the, the moment for me personally, when I've really felt like, all right, he's really, he's really dead. Like, yeah. like Jose's, Jose's really gone the casket won't be open right. and I won't ever see, you know, I, I won't ever see Jose Fernandez that, that I knew I will never see him again. Right. Um, you know, the way that he is. And so when that actual moment hit, I think it came in seasons. It was like, mm. it would be so clear to me and so real to me exactly what had happened. And then there would be, there might be a few hours or even a day or two after where it's like, almost a numbness of not thinking about it, thinking, man, there's just, I don't know, you see a picture of him, you know, or something after a day or two of, of not thinking really hard about him or, or talking to people about him. And you see him and you just go, man, I just can't believe it. You know, it's like, it's yeah. like, it's like, 
I told people this. I said two days ago, I was I was sure of exactly what had happened. Yeah. And it's two days later, and I'm sitting here thinking, there's just no way. Right. You know, that's the shock that, that, that something like this does. You know, it's it's almost like it's just it's 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 that hard to believe because the world we live in. You're, you you know, we grow up and we're told and that you can, you know, you can grab the bull by the horns and you can have so much control over your life and you can, you know, write your own ship and you can control your destiny and you make your own future and all these things. And the, and the fact is, is that our days are numbers and uh, numbered and, right, and yes. we know not the number of our days. That's what the Bible tells us. We know not the number of our days. And yes, it does. so, so the fact is, is that the world we live in and the things that we're taught and learned to accept in the world we live in contradict the truth of the scripture and contradict the truth of the Lord. Yeah. And that's this wrestling that we get where we're so back and forth. We're so undecided on where we stand. You go any any number of ways, politics or what team you support or whatever it is. I mean, you, we're just like that. The human beings are just like that. We're, yes. We waver and we search for truth and we search for a relationship and we don't quite know where to get it from. And there's confusion and we're all kind of just trying to make our own way and find it together. And yeah. um, and so I think I just kind of went in and out of, of that. You know, I wrestled with that a little bit. But I, I say all that to say that when I very, by the spirit of God, when I had that first urgency to say, what am I going to say to these guys? When I first had it, regardless of when that set in for me personally, I, re- I understood that there is a platform here. There's a, I'm about to en- enter into um, a mission field that is a, a composed of the people that are of my mission field. But this environment I'm going to walk into is about to be significantly different than the than the condition and the environment of the mission field that Absolutely. I'm so accustomed to. Absolutely. So uh, that's why I say that I can't. That's understanding that doesn't come from man. You know, that's for that's sure. not something that that. Um, that I can say I did or that now from now on because I experienced that that now I'll have that or something that's something that came from the Lord and I'm so thankful for that because of what ensued and what uh, what a platform that turned out to be and what the spirit of God alone did in that place uh, through through his agents through his ambassadors I mean um, I praise God for that and and all the while my my flesh my mind you know my heart is failing and it's weak and it's tired and that you know, there's that two-day window where nobody's eating or sleeping, and right. Chris included, and he's traveling, and it's, it's just the flesh is weak, and the Spirit of God came into that place, and it flooded the place, and it gave people strength, and I think that was very evident, although it was just a baseball game, I think very evident in all the things that happened kind of surrounding this whole deal, um, the game included, that we played the next day. It's I mean, amazing. Can I, can I throw this in there, Please, too? Chris, I go. think that there's no doubt, I appreciate what you're saying, that the truth of, man, the Holy Spirit just filling you and, and giving you strength and giving you boldness to speak the truth but there's also if you go back in your life your personal life for the last several years you know you have been growing in your own relationship with the lord studying the bible attending church going to chapel being in bible studies going to christian conferences worshiping downloading podcasts of preaching those things now are the things that are are built in your foundation so when something like this happens and yeah, the Holy Spirit's at work. He's pulling out of you stuff that you've hidden in your heart. Yeah. God's word and truth and stuff. So so there's this there's this two sides of it. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's definitely filling you and using you, but the fact that you have taken your walk with Christ serious. And and I think that's a great lesson for all of us. It's like, man, we we're led by the Spirit and He gives us strength, but we still got to do our job in growing and yeah. in, in, in being fed. Yes. And that's one great thing is it, it wasn't just like, here's Adam coming up that one day and, the, and, and we'll share that what happened that moment in the a couple hours later that day about, it's about probably like 11 p.m. Um, that morning specifically what happened, but 
it's before that Adam had been leading the Bible studies on the road with the team. Uh, awesome. Adam had and his wife Kendall have been in several different conferences over the years, yes. uh, increased conferences. Um, Adam and Adam and Adam shared his testimony at Faith Day uh, that summer at the Marlins event. Adam, yeah. you know, these things are all deposits that he's made spiritually. Yes. So at this moment, when there's an opportunity. It's not like, oh, what do I say? It's like, wait a second, I've got all this You're stuff. Prepared. And the Holy Spirit's bringing it up. The armor of God. Um, and that was the coolest thing. Yeah. Is the, 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 the coolest thing that I've ever seen in baseball. I mean, you know, and, and again, we talked about Romans 8, 28, man. This tragic thing, this awful moment, this time of mourning. and, and But out of it, God gives an opportunity for Adam to be obedient and share the complete gospel. Mm in the clubhouse with all of the players that are there. We've got expanded rosters, so we got 35 guys, right. coaches, front office, ownership, everybody you can think of in there, uh, trainers, and and as, as the, the, the president of the Marlins gives the overview of what happened. Hey, we got a call at this time, and we identified this, and right. goes through the thing, and and gives the facts. You know, because all the rumors and stories are there. Here's the facts. Sure. And then everybody's still trying to figure out what's next, and it gives a chance. Does anybody want to share anything? Mm. And and I know, I know what needs to be shared, and I'm like, I'm the guy that's expected to say this because sure. I'm the chaplain. You're the chaplain. But what's even better is that. One of the players, one of the peers, one of the guys that it's it's his real world. Mm -hmm. I'm there a couple times a week for a few hours. He's there. Every day, all now day. Now he steps up and shares with incredible grace and incredible love the pointed truth of, man, this is real. And I don't know if you want to kind of expound on that anymore. What you yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll do the best I can, but I'm going to be honest with you guys. <laughs> Chris might, I don't know, Chris might remember more of what I said than I remember what I said. Well, you um, started off and you said, I just want you guys to know that I love each and every yeah. one of you yeah. in this room. Yeah, there's three things that I can for sure, I mean, I can, I can confidently say there's, there's three well, you things. you don't usually hear people say that in a and you're not baseball clubhouse. The veteran either. guy. Yeah, I love you. You're guys. a second year player. Yeah. I'm not trying to downplay it, but in the clubhouse, a rookie, you're, you're, <laughs> you're still a rookie <laughs> by, you know, rookie. <laughs> by years and, and you're 23, 24, 25, whatever it is, somewhere in that range. And you're, you're standing up and saying this mm -hmm. yeah. in a clubhouse with veterans, guys that have been in the league for a while. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll do the best I can yeah. of what I remember. Um, like I said, my mind and my flesh was a blur that day. Sure. Um, but the mission at hand was so clear to me. And, um, I remember I stood up and I said, I told everyone in that clubhouse, I told them I loved them. And the, and the crazy thing is, and it's, it's so hard for some people to understand is that, that that's true. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't text all these guys regularly. I don't hang out with them and go out to eat with them all the time. I don't know their families as well as I ought to. I don't even know them as well as I ought to considering the time I spend with them. Sure. But the fact is, is that through a redeeming work God has done in my heart since becoming a Christian, he has, he has sanctified me and, and put me on a path of sanctification that has given me a heart that today more resembles the heart of Christ than my heart resembled Christ the day I became a Christian. Wow. And certainly the, when I was born and was growing up and, and was rejecting God and was rejecting the idea of even needing saving. Um, and so that's true. As hard as that might be to understand, um, I really do love all those guys, and I really do have compassion on the people that God have ma has made in His image that He's scattered around the world who speak different languages and have different cultures and, and even different beliefs. 
um, because I know they're children of God. And that, uh, and when your heart becomes like Christ, you start to want the things that Christ wants. You start mm. to think the way he thinks. You start to talk the way he talks. And believe me, I'm far from that, all right? Sure. <laughs> As I speak this, I'm convicting myself up here, you know? Of course. Um, but th- that's just the reality. That's the beauty of, of a walk with Christ on this life and earth. It is such a dark earth. It's, it's dark and it's sinful and it's broken. But through that, God's glory shines above all things and he will be glorified. And um, and he's, he's done a redeeming a work in my heart for me to be able to say that to these men in, in an environment where they're not, they don't get talked to like that a lot. You know, um, a lot of their relationships is they tell somebody what to do. They go do it for them. They get served. You know, they think they're pretty awesome. They collect their paychecks. And, and, I'm, and, I, and I don't mean to say that specifically about players, but I'm saying generally the world of professional sports yes. world is kind of the world has kind of glorified these ideas to say for sure. that I can work hard and be successful and make money and retire and kick up my feet and, and you know, and that be the American dream for me. Um, my urge to people is that there's a calling in our life that's bigger than that, than, than making money and being able at, at, at 45 years old or so to kick your feet up and not have to work anymore. And, and I look at these guys and I tell them I love them, you know, and, I'm, and I really mean that. And, and I remember the next thing I said was, um, I'm crying at this point. I've said, yeah. I think I've said about maybe well, got there's about, a lot of people crying. I think I got about imagine. two sentences out, and I, I'm, I'm crying, and I, 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 it's a struggle to get the words out. But I remember telling those guys, I said, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten on a plane with you guys. And uh, that plane um, fired up its engines and started taking off. And, and I wrestled that whole flight. And I said, I can't tell you how many times this happened. I wrestled that whole flight where if those engines go out on that plane and I've got two minutes to stand up on that plane and yell something at you guys, and I've got two more minutes before we're all dead, I said, what in the world am I going to say to you guys? You know, and that's the first thing I ever remember saying because I'd been thinking wow. it. I'd been thinking it all morning. And, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> just, like it, just like that whole morning, I didn't know what I was going to say to those guys. But I got up there and I said some stuff, and I guess I don't. Maybe it was all right. If it was the spirit of God, then it was really good. But, um, uh, but to this day, I think about that. What in the world would I say to those guys if the engines of that plane go out and I've got two minutes left? And I don't know what I'd say. Mm. But I believe that if I stood up and said something, I think the spirit of God would speak through me, and something you know what needed to be said would be said. But, but I said that, um, and then there's a big blur for me. I don't really know what I said, but I, I remember that I, I very clearly. Um, I don't know if I yelled it or what. I don't know what it sounded like coming out of my mouth. But I told every guy in that room that Jesus is the only way, wow. and that we all we all we will all die, uh, and that if and Jesus is the only way to heaven, and that it's real, and that this is happening, and that the words I'm speaking are true. And beyond that, I got to tell you, that's as far as I can go is ex- explaining what I said because those are the only three things that I remember. I want to jump ahead real quick. So our time is limited to Monday, September 26th. So that's the day the Marlins have to they have to play a baseball game. And it's the New York Mets life are in town. I mean, life moves on. on. Yeah. Time doesn't stop for anyone, right? We could spend an hour just talking about probably all the different things that happened in that day alone, much less the game. But I'm going to go through a few things that happened just to kind of give the audience a quick recap. And then I just want to get thoughts from you guys about that. So, so Adam, you're the starter. You were supposed to start Sunday. Jose had been moved to Monday, obviously. Everything happens. Now you're pitching Monday. So you're the first person... In a baseball game, throwing a pitch after this tragedy. Yeah. You go three innings, you run a pitch count coming off an injury, two hits, a walk, no runs, two strikeouts. Good outing. First pitch D. Gordon sees in the bottom of the first. He hasn't hit a home run in like 20 years, and he hits it in the upper deck. And all those are probably inside the park. All inside the parks. <laughs> and he hits an upper deck home run. You're all wearing Jose's jersey. Tragedy, you got guilt, anger, sadness. There's so many levels of emotions. You see the way the Mets and you guys pregame came together. I'm trying to just paint a picture here because there's so much to talk about that we can't get to. You end up winning the game seven to three. 
and watching the team after the game come to the middle of the field of the of the pitcher's mound and kind of just embrace. Let's start with you, Adam. Just that moment of preparing, knowing you have to go and do your job, but also all of this that I just described, encompassing it and surrounding it. You just yeah, take us through yeah, that it's, a it's bit? like you've been saying. I mean, there's, about that day, there's so much to be said about what's happening in the world and God's big picture of things. And I can tell you, without going into, without being too long-winded here, sure. I can tell you that. Um, my history with Jose Fernandez and with um, his, uh, with a, a fiance of his, and with her family, and with his family, and, and coming up together in the minor leagues, and being drafted together, and being roommates on the road, and right. um, uh, you know, apart from uh, apart from 2013 and 14, every year of our professional career, we had been we had been teammates and um, and spent a lot of time together, and um, you know to describe what God had done over all those years and, and even even so far beyond that, all of Jose's life that God had been preparing this and that all of my life God had been preparing me for this. And just um, there's just such a big picture going on here that we just, if you gave us the rest of our lives to talk about that, we couldn't unpack it because we have such limited vision right. of what God's really up to and how big he is and how in control he is of the universe that he's created. All that said... Um, Life does go on. You know, we did have a baseball game to play, but I think what's so cool about that group of guys is, is I, I can't believe just the hearts of the men that played that baseball game when there's such an understanding that, guys, we're, we're Major League Baseball players. You got to, you, this is the show. You know, that's what they call it. This is the show. Right. There's going to be people buying tickets to come to this game to come watch us play the show. You know, and, and to prepare for that, to play at that level, to be that way. And yet for me to be in that environment and to understand the hearts and the minds of these men that are about to go prepare to go do that, to have their hearts and their minds in, in a place that's so far away from us, from playing a kid's game right. on right. TV and making millions of dollars, you know, or whatever, whatever the details are. Um, it's a, it was just such a powerful thing. I mean, if I get into one little thing, I mean, we'll be here all night talking about the specifics sure. of the event and what, what people saw. And I encourage anyone listening, look up the videos, read about it. People wrote it. People had a lot to say about it, a lot of video out, a lot of testimony uh, of what happened during that game. But what I encountered to myself, the things that they won't be able to look up on a video is, right. is the, the hearts and the minds of those men and the families involved. Uh, and the community uh, that were there that night at the stadium and the Mets players and their grace and their love for for such a talented pitcher in the game and someone who loved the game so much. And um, I think there's just a lot of people that when they heard of the passing of Jose and they came to that game and they saw that it transpired, I think there's just a lot of people who looked back for a second or hopefully for longer than that and thought, that could have been me, you know, that could have been my son. I've got a 24-year-old son or something somebody around the world was saying when they heard that. And, and just the impact that that has, the shockwave that that sends through people, um, just all the emotions, everything that was going on, this, this group of men um, that, that by the grace of God I get to go play baseball with, you know, just about every day, this group of men that has been uh, put together um, got closer, and, and these are not my words, these are the words of 10-year veterans in the big leagues who have said that, in those two weeks uh, toward the end of that season, a group of guys 
who got closer and bonded in a way that those guys who had you know played for however many teams and over over a decade in the big leagues never had never had never seen a group of men come together like this and have a have a heart and a mind and a unity like this. Um, and that's a beautiful thing for me as a disciple of Jesus Christ because um, I would love nothing more for every guy in that clubhouse to have one clear mission and one clear uh, goal in life and, and, you know, and, and for that to, of course, all uh, revolve around and involve the will of God and the Spirit of God in there. That's awesome. Chris, real quick from you, just that day, that time, what, what was the day like for you as quickly as you can, kind of running, coming to the ballpark, how you ministered to the players to prepare them, what you encountered I don't know where you were during the game, but after the game, what was that like? Yeah, that I mean, day like? first of all, you know, just there were so many people that were praying, and, and I got text messages and calls from so many people. But the fact that, you know, the organization was so willing to say, we just need you, we want you, and the questions and the opportunities for the love of Christ to be displayed and the gospel to be presented and just ministry and prayer. Yeah. You know, there was people that came in to be you know, grief counselors and people didn't want to go to them because they didn't know them. They wanted to go and talk to me and, and talk to the people that were there that were part of their lives. But that day was just, you know, an opportunity to, to talk with guys and to have open conversations in open air areas that you might not normally have at that time um, or in those places just because of the circumstances that was kind of all those rules were out the door and I remember sitting there with several veteran guys and younger guys just coming up and then the conversation was three guys then five then eight then ten then twelve and it was just like and then all of a sudden one of our our guys says hey man let's just pray and we're in the middle of the clubhouse man in a big circle just praying and and um the wives got together that night before the game. They, uh, Adam's wife Kendall and some of the wives called my wife she does a bible study with him she we all went down there early um I'll tell you the time that I really let loose was when after that national anthem and, and the Mets and yeah. the Marlins met in the middle of that diamond was when tears just started flowing. Yeah. And, and I was sitting there, you know, obviously my time was done with the players. And I was just in the, in the stands sitting with all the wives, you know, with my family. And, and there was not a dry eye. That's when I think everybody finally just was like, man, hmm. this is, here goes a game. The game is going to be played. We thought that this would never happen again. You know, but like we said, life goes on and he's gone because there was tributes and the number 16 and yeah. pictures everywhere and people wearing jerseys and it was just like, wow. And then, you know, we talked about D. Gordon hitting that home run and just all these crazy things. And then I remember yeah. after the game, I, I stayed right in the edge of the dugout and, and let those guys go on that field and do that. And then I stayed right there. When they came off, I just stood there and high-fived give every guy a hug and, mm. and, and that's when they came out of there that's when their emotion was able to be let loose like there was the weight that was lifted off like man we we made it through this game yeah. we lost a one of our warriors one of our guys but and, and, and then the days following was just more follow-up and more prayer and, and it was intense every day but an opportunity to share you know things happen this is earth it's not heaven bad yeah. things happen and and unexpected things happen and sickness and death comes and injury but we trust in, in the living God and we have to trust his ways and his plan and, and we always try to divert that back to where where is your faith you yeah. I mean, do you, are you right with God are you prepared because we're all going to die yeah. and we don't know that that's powerful um, in closing Adam it's been months now since this moment um, what has God taught you during this how, how is your faith yeah. strengthened during this time 
if yeah. it has strengthened during this time? Or has there been moments where you've struggled with your faith and yeah. I think nobody would fault you for that either? What's there's, been like? there's never there's never been a moment in my in my life since becoming a Christian <laughs> that the Spirit of God has showed up to do something, to do a work uh, around me or near me or through me or, you know, in a speaker or, or something. That's never happened to me in my life, and the people in the audience there reject it. That's never happened to me before, and I don't, maybe it will. Maybe it happens to people all the time. But I've never, I've, I've never, and this is an encouragement for the believers that are listening, I have never been at God's disposal and him and him do a work in me and me be rejected or it go poorly or it not find, or it not you know uh have fruit you know and 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 so what i've what i continually learn i mean it's really the we kind of learn when you first become a christian you kind of learn like the basic foundational truths of christianity and you kind of build off those things and what what you kind of start to find is is that you realize, well, I've read this book already, but now it's the fourth time I've read it, and it seems to be new to me now. I seem to understand it in a different way. And what I'm what I'm alluding to really is that um, when I became a Christian, it was because I realized of how uh, unable I was of saving myself. Right. And so, obviously, there's a pretty big implication there of how great God is and His ability to save. Um, so I, I knew when I became a believer, I said, all right, well, God, you're God. I mean, you're ruling the heavens. You're the Lord of Lords. You're the King of Kings. I mean, you created the whole universe. You created me and everyone in it. I mean, of course you're big, but I understand that better now than I did then. You know, it's the same truth. I, I can say the same words to understand, to say, to communicate. But the, the, the fact is, is that I understand better. And, um, in my, in my walk, um, as I've matured in my faith and as I've been, uh, more available to God, uh, more discerning of, of truth in the world, of the world, um, uh, more um, uh, deeper in his word and understanding of his word and, and all those things, um, God God keeps showing up and he keeps doing things like this. And it just, that's that's for me in my walk been, been one of the clearest ways that I've gotten the anchor of my soul down into this truth that my life on earth is for a bigger purpose than baseball and it's for a bigger purpose than my comfort or my happiness or my money or my marriage or uh, pleasures or comfort or my kids or any of those things. Um, and that truth just continues to resonate deeper and, and more clearly in my life. Um, the more available I make myself to God and the more work I see him do around me and in me and through me. And, um, and the most evident thing to me has just been the change that he's done in my heart because I know, <laughs> um, it was only about six years ago that I, that I was not following Christ. And I remember those days. I remember what that was like. Um, and a wretch like me, I mean, by God's grace, he saved me. And, um, if he can do a work like that, then what I'm learning, um, as God does this work is to, is to trust him more, um, to seek him more, um, to pray to him more, to lean on him more, um, to have more faith in him, to talk more about him, to live more like him. I mean, and those are all things that that's all, those are all things that are fruit of the spirit. You know, those aren't things that I'm just trying really hard to do because I think it's noble or anything. These are things that, that God, God has given me new desires in my heart and, um, and only by his strength and only by meditating on his word and only through prayer and a close relationship with him, do I ever accomplish anything in my life. Um, and so the more involved I get in that and the deeper I get, the more apparent to me and clear that truth becomes. And it just all the while it becomes more, uh, more apparent to me. And it just becomes this cycle really that never ends, um, of, of trying to attain understanding and a heart like Christ's and um, being a servant like Christ was a servant. And just like I said, I mean, we can just go on and yeah. on and on because it's just you learn a truth and then it becomes it's the same thing. You learn it again. You learn it better. Um, 
And I know that um, having men like uh, Chris around in those situations and um, having his number and being able to connect to them and everything, that's part of it because there's a, there are areas of, of life that Chris has walked through that I have not yet gone through or that I'm going through currently that he's experiencing. He's a mature believer. He's been a Christian for a long time and loves the Lord um, and understands these truths. And so there's this fellowship that goes on between believers. Um, and ultimately, through this platform that we've been talking about, this whole, this whole instance of where Hosea died, yeah. And there's this kind of this big uh, opening, basically, this is new, a new, a new uh, environment of a ministry that you're that you're in. That's really the that's really it. You want people to understand the rest that, that I find in that, the rest that I find knowing that God is actually in control of everything, and that uh, that I can that I have peace in that. That I know that if I live according to God's will, that I can ask Him of anything I want. Because if my will is God's will, then whatever He would have for me in my life will be exactly where I find myself and exactly what I would want for my own life. Mm. Unending love and amazing grace. It's a powerful testimony. Adam Conley and uh, Marlon's pitcher and Chris Lane, Marlon's uh, chaplain. We appreciate you guys sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you guys very much. Okay, that was Adam Conley from the Marlins and team chaplain Chris Lane joining us in just such a powerful episode, such a great testimony from Adam, uh, just talking about what it was like to be in the locker room in the days after the death of his friend and teammate, Jose Fernandez. Let's bring in the director of digital and media from Sports Spectrum, Raymond St. Martin. Raymond, just initial thoughts on on that interview. So powerful, man. I, I just, I just, you know, we got that interview, you know, there at the conference. You know, seeing it live and listening to them and listening to Chris and listening to Adam was just, you could, you could tell that something happened in that locker room that was bigger and greater than any story that had been told. Yeah, it was powerful. It was, and, it, and watching the emotion on both these guys' faces as we're listening to them in person was just something that, um, that you don't forget. You know, you could tell how, how memorable, how hard that day was, but how powerful that day was, too, and the way God moved. Uh, in the lives of both of those men. Yeah, and just the, the lessons that Adam shared with us through his own life. I and mean, his life is a living testimony to the work that the Holy Spirit does on earth through us to others. Yeah. Just so humble and so amazing. I just, I hope that everyone who's listening to this, you know, really heard that story. Um, for me personally, I was, I was reading this morning, I was reading out of Exodus, and it was one of those days where I felt like today is going to be one of those days. Like, my like, God, help me keep today holy. Today is your day. This is your day, Lord. And everything that I'm going to do, please set it out in front of me. Be the light at my feet today. And as I was reading, I read in Exodus 31.6, um, when God said uh, to Moses that he had he'd, he'd prepared all of the craftsmen to do the work that he needed and the NIV version of it says, also, I have given skill to all the craftsmen to make everything I have commanded you. Mm. And I thought of you, Jason, and I thought of our team, and I thought of Sports Spectrum, and I thought of Adam Conley as I was listening to the podcast, that God has prepared us and given us the tools that, that we need to be his craftsmen here on earth and to hear Adam being that craftsman where he is, you know, to be planted where he is and to be gaining these skills and to see how he's living out his life and living out his faith. is just, it's an inspiration that I think us and on our team and sports spectrum 
can take, and we could learn lessons from his testimony. Completely. I, I com couldn't agree with you more, and that's really powerful. I'm glad you shared that. Thank you, Raymond. I mean, it's just awesome to see what God is doing, both with the Marlins, but really with, like you said, all the sports spectrum, which, you know, we've talked about this. We're so excited to, to have this podcast and to launch it. That was episode one. And we also have a few other things we're launching. We're relaunching the magazine, Sports Spectrum Magazine. The April 2017 issue is coming out. It's on newsstands. We're excited for it. Matt Holliday from the Yankees is on the mm -hmm. cover. And we also have a, from the Yankees, it's a little weird to say that, right? Matt Halliday <laughs> from the Yankees. But we also have a, a pretty in-depth story that I wrote about Adam and Chris Lane and this story of overcoming uh, everything and sharing their faith through the story and the death of Jose Fernandez. Uh, Raymond, why don't you share a little bit more about uh, what we're going to expect in the April 2017 edition of Sports Spectrum magazine? Yeah, we really focused on a couple things. Uh, number one, we really want to have a magazine that combines sports and faith. It's always been the tagline, connecting sports and faith, where sports and faith connect. And I thought, you know, we take a step back. Like, what does it mean to create a sports magazine that is that shares stories of faith? And so as we looked at everything, and we knew that in April was going to be opening day, so we wanted to do the opening day issue. We have a 24-page insert in the middle of the magazine that has the recap from last year. It has your projections, Jason. Yes, it does. And my projections on how teams are going to finish. But in there are also the stories of Matt Holiday joining the Yankees and what it means and what community means on a team. Uh, we also had the story that you wrote about, about Jose Fernandez through the eyes of Adam Conley and Chris Lane. And then we have a couple other stories in there. We have the story of Adam LaRoche and how he left baseball last year and what his life is like and what it means to be a father. And finally, in that baseball issue, we have the story of Chris Carpenter, you know, who was an amazing pitcher, but also known to be a very nasty guy on the mound and how he discovered Christ. Uh, and then wrapped around that, uh, we've created a new coaches section. So we have a section that is specifically for coaches. So if you're listening to this and you're a coach, you can get tools on how to coach, but also stories that might impact you and how you build your teams. Uh, and then at the end of the magazine, probably my, my favorite uh, part of the magazine is we've now asked for chaplains to write the devotionals. So we've asked pro football and pro baseball chaplains to start ministering to the readers through this devotional. So every week on the new Sports Spectrum devotional, you have a pro athlete that kicks off the week. The next four days are then followed by messages from chaplains that are teaching the same thing that the athlete kicked off. And then we've been closing out the magazine now. Our vision is to close out the magazine with these athletes uh, sharing the tenets of faith. What does it mean to pray? What does it mean to be in community? What does it mean to be baptized? So in this issue, you'll read directly from Lance Berkman and Adam Wainwright and Matt Holliday. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to read um, their words and also Daniel Murphy uh, from the Nationals and, how, and what, what their faith means to them and what the tenets of our faith truly are. So our hope is that the reader will have a great sports experience, but they'll also be able to, to strengthen their souls and strengthen, strengthen themselves in the word as, as Adam has you know, for years, that they might then be prepared to share their faith. That's awesome. And I'm really excited to read it. It's the first time I've ever even been featured in a magazine to write. So this is cool. Same with you. Um, so the whole the whole team at Sports Spectrum is super pumped to, to have this magazine out and available for everybody. It's the April 2017 issue. And you can see and learn more about that. You can subscribe. You can you know even see a few of the articles on SportsSpectrum.com. We're revamping that as well. And that's really been a great source for daily content. 
and I think uh, you'll really like what we've been putting out there on SportsSpectrum.com. So check that out. If you want to subscribe to the magazine, you can also get all the information, Raymond, if I'm not mistaken, as well at SportsSpectrum.com, correct? Yes, sir. All right. Awesome. Raymond, thank you so much. And yes, we are excited about this podcast. The next episode, which will be episode two, I want to tell you guys about our guests. They're going to be Matt Chandler, who is the pastor of the Village Church, and that is in Dallas, Texas. And we're also going to have Matt Hasselbeck on. So Matt and Matt, we have them on together. We were able to sit down with both of them. It's a really intriguing episode because I think it talks not only about the perspective of an NFL quarterback who achieved extremely high levels of uh, success with Matt Hasselbeck and reaching the Super Bowl and playing so many years, not only with the Tennessee Titans, but of course with the Seattle Seahawks, but also uh, talking to Matt Chandler, who's the pastor, and just kind of the dynamics that go into being a pastor and being a quarterback. And their walks are kind of similar in the sense that they started out at the same time, uh, early 2000s, and kind of elevated their their uh, their teams and and saw a lot of success come, but the story of Matt Chandler and how he overcame cancer and is overcoming cancer and battling it is one that you do not want to miss if you do not know that story. So we talked to Pastor Matt Chandler and, and certainly from Matt Hasselbeck's perspective, being a quarterback in the NFL, being the face of the franchise, and then having to not only be the face of the franchise, but walk that walk as a believer in Christ. What was that like? So I'm excited for Matt Chandler and Matt Hasselbeck. They'll be on our podcast next time. And uh, we're just grateful for it. So please, if you want to get in touch with us, we want to hear from you. Uh, You can reach us in various forms. First of all, social media. You can go to Sports Spectrum's Twitter page, at sports underscore spectrum. And also Facebook, Sports Spectrum. We're out there, too. We're sharing all of our articles, including the podcast. Lots of good content out there. And also on Twitter, for me, you can reach me at Jason Romano. Love to hear from you. Love to hear what you think of the podcast, how we can improve it, what kind of guests that we should be having on this podcast. We welcome all sorts of feedback. So please come uh, to those pages and, and just let us know what you think. Let us know how we're doing. Would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for uh, episode one. We're excited for uh, the journey that this is about to take us. Thanks so much for joining us. And, and as I as I get ready to leave here, I just have one question for you guys. One question: How are you going to equip yourself in the Lord this week? Mm-hmm.